Bulimia sucks, but you don't, and here's why. The Bulimia Sucks podcast with Kate Hudson Hall will teach you how to begin breaking through the multitude of thoughts, feelings, triggers, and urges to empower yourself to change your painful behaviors completely. You will hear proven strategies and solutions to help you in your recovery, including real interviews with real people. Kate has just released a new best-selling book called Anxiety Hacks with proven techniques, tools, and tips to calm this. Check it out now on Amazon. And now... Another episode of Bulimia Sucks, the podcast. Hello and welcome to Bulimia Sucks. I'm your host, Kate Hudson Hall, and thank you so much for listening. This is a platform for people to share relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations based on an eating disorder, which could be bulimia, anorexia, binge eating disorder, um, and all the others on top. And episodes will include talking with professionals who work with people with an eating disorder who may have had their own struggles in the past with uh, different food issues. And then also to people who have overcome their eating disorder and to people struggling in the moment, in the present moment, sharing their stories, their difficult journeys, and their steps taken in their recovery. So I'm very excited because I have recently written another book. My first book is called Bulimia Sucks, just in case you didn't know. And my new book is um, self-help tips and ways for people to begin to reduce that anxious brain and calm themselves. And I'm thinking of calling it Anxiety Hacks, but I'm not sure yet. It'd be great to know what you think but it's with the editor now. So we've still got a long process to go. And the other thing is that I have colouring books out, which are on Amazon. And so we've got one for bulimia, one for anorexia, binge eating, and also an anxiety stress relieving one. And it's not just any old colouring book, let me tell you. It is, it's got one page with a beautiful mandala on with a, with a heartwarming quote And then on the opposite page, it has a question or questions about that quote and what you can learn about yourself as you're colouring to be able to help you through your recovery process. So I have really enjoyed making those and people are finding them very beneficial. So if you wanted to check them out, if you put my name into Amazon, you'll be able to find them. Now, our fabulous guest today is Philippa Robinson. During her own personal transformation through healing childhood trauma and learning to love and live for herself, she arrived at her sole mission to guide people to be the truest versions of themselves because she believes that is the greatest gift we can give ourselves, which it is. (laughs) Philippa has a podcast called Meeting of Minds and also is a certified coach. And she has also written a book and her book is I See Me, which was released in 2021. And if you want to check that out, that's on Amazon. And Philippa started dieting from the age of seven and felt so much shame about her body. And when working with her clients, self-esteem is one reoccurring topic she includes in her podcast, which she is here today to share with us. So welcome, Philippa. It's fabulous to have you here. 
Kate, hi, thank you. Um, thanks for having me. I'm really pleased to be here. Yay, thank you. So, Philippa, so tell us about, so you started dieting at the age of seven. Well, yeah, it, it wasn't a choice. My, um, my mother decided that at age seven, I was not, uh, I, would, I didn't look the way that she wanted me to look. So she decided that I needed to go on a diet. Um, I think so my timeline is a little bit fuzzy I had to sort of put my get my timeline in order when I was writing my book and my mum is no longer here Um, not that I could necessarily ask her about that even if she was I think but she remarried I think that was around about the time she remarried and I was to be a bridesmaid and I think there was an issue getting me in my bridesmaid dress there definitely was an issue getting me in my bridesmaid dress um, and I think that was probably round about the same time. And I seem to remember she said, don't worry, I'll put her on a diet and she'll get in that dress. And I think I probably had subtle clues before then, but that was definitely a marker in the sand for me understanding that um, m- the size of my body yeah. mattered. It mattered to, to her, to my mum. And therefore, I, you know, I took that really to heart and, you know, I understood for a lot of my life that that mattered. Yes. Yeah. You've had that good, good education. Well, that education at a young age. Yes. Yes. And once you get that message from home, you know, that message is everywhere. It's in magazines. It's on TV. It's everywhere you look that, you, you know, being pretty and slim is, is, appears to be important so if you feel that you don't fit into those categories or I I felt I didn't fit into those categories and that really left me feeling um like you know gosh broken broken is how I ended up feeling but it made me feel uh unacceptable definitely unaccepted uh, and um, not worthy and really desperately needing to to try hard at everything try hard to lose weight but try hard at everything else it definitely left me with a real chronic low self-worth or no self-worth really yeah Yeah. and so so when you became a teenager, I suppose that all that all just uh, increased. Yeah, I think it, it's interesting because I think because I'd felt that from such a young age, teenage my teenage years weren't any worse. You know, um, I don't. I was already feeling like that, so it it was part of my everyday. It was just my life, so I didn't have such bad teenage years um, apart from all the. everything that was I mean I did have really rubbish teenage years um because of everything that was going on at home um you know my mother had remarried and I didn't feel that I had a place in that new home and she was an alcoholic and you know and coupled that with my chronic low self-esteem yes it was my teenage years were awful but my feelings about my body which is what, you know, I'm here to talk about today. My feelings about my body were no worse in my teenage years because they were already awful. It was already awful. Yeah. Mm. And so, so, so that continued until what age? Right. So um, 
Well, it continued really until age 47. So, um, you know, I, I lived all my adult life, all the rest of my childhood years and all my adult life, um, feeling that I had to watch what I ate. I became a secret eater. Um, I, I ate a lot, but I ate a lot of it in private. My mother was very controlling around food. Um, what we could she wouldn't buy things that she knew me and my brother wanted to like to eat because she was trying to stop me eating them but then on the flip side of that in order to reward us for anything it would always be sweets it was so it was all real mixed messages um and when I left home at 18 to go to university I thought life in general would get a lot better because I was out of the house and out of my home and I could live my own life but then I realized I didn't I soon realized I hadn't learned skills to be out in the world and the world then sort of felt quite unsafe so I just yeah. I I I put on a good show I I had a brilliant mask that made it look like I was having a great time. And don't get me wrong, I wasn't miserable all the time. I did law at university. I went to work in a big London law firm. Um, I pinched myself every day, sort of going to work in London. Oh, look at me, aren't I, you know, aren't I great? Um, But inside that swirling hole that was never full um, was with me every single day. And I ate to fill that hole. I very definitely used food. I used food when I was happy. I used food when I was sad. I I used food for every emotion and I ate all the time and I could never really get enough. I didn't really ever feel hungry because I was never hungry because I just ate, but I didn't eat. I didn't eat because I was hungry. I was eating to fill a hole. But the shame that then comes with that and the the desperation and the the oh you know I need to do that to make myself feel better but then I feel really guilty and feel full of shame and I can't tell anybody what I'm doing and then my body gets bigger or my body's definitely not getting smaller it it became really you know really hard and I tried it's a vicious cycle isn't it it is absolutely and I you know I tried every diet under the sun I've tried everything over the years and um I've tried you know for me it was if I could get myself in what the doctor once called the virtuous cycle of eating better and exercising then I felt better about myself and occasionally I could get myself in that cycle for a short amount of time but then something would happen that would that would bring me crashing back down and I just thought I was greedy I just thought that I was greedy or I had no no willpower, no self-control and that everybody else could manage their food intake. And I was really just broken and a bit stupid that I couldn't I, I couldn't get it under control. And that added to the shame of what I was doing and just really just really kept me in that cycle of doing it to make myself feel better, but feeling rubbish about it and just keeping quiet and very, you know, it's a lonely old place to be really when you're feeling like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I got, I got married in my mid thirties and had two children quite, because I was quite getting on a bit by then. So by the time I was 40, I had two children under 
to um but was feeling like you know i've got i'm married i've got my kids this is it life's going to be brilliant um and i decided to try the diet of all diets and i tried lighter life and i up until that stage i think i'd never been i'd never wanted really wanted to lose a lot of weight because i feared that if i lost the weight life would still be rubbish because i could blame it yeah I blame, I could blame life being rubbish on oh, being fat. Right. Yes. Yes. If only I was thinner, life would be okay. But anyway, I went on light life. I lost five stone. For the first time in my adult life, I was size 12. People were opening doors for me. Life be- changed uh, dramatically. Um, and were you happy on the inside? Well, so what I learned was that actually what I looked like on the outside was not my problem. <laughs> um, I, I still felt as rubbish on the inside. Um, so that was 2009. Um, and the weight slowly crept back on because, you know, tried all those diets over the years, lose weight, put more on, lose weight, put even more back on. Yeah. Um, the only thing that really seemed to work was when I gave myself a break and thought, you know, does this really matter? How much does this matter? I had brief period, periods of um, giving myself a bit of a break and not worrying about it too much. Um, but after I put all that weight slowly over four years or so, I put all the weight back on. Um, but I was much happier. I became a bit happier because I realized that actually the size of my body isn't what really oh, okay. matters. Yeah. It, it actually, it actually did me good. I I learned from that experience yeah. that being slimmer wasn't my route to happiness. Um, and, but I still didn't know what was. I still didn't really get anything until in 2017. I well, 2016, I discovered a book about codependency. Right. And that was a massive light bulb. That made me realize that my childhood experiences had had much more of an effect on me than I had realized. Mm. So that was one, that was a light bulb. Um, and then in January 2017, I lost a lot of the sight in my right eye. Something freak happened and um medical thing, a, uh, a new blood vessel was growing in the back of my eye and leaking fluid into the back of my eye. So I, and I was told the damage was permanent. It turned out it wasn't. But um, that really floored me. It really... Um, it really, I, I, yeah, I, I had a break. I, it really started an unraveling that led to a sort of what I would call a, a breakdown, or definitely a massive unraveling of all my, all, all my beliefs, all my thoughts around things. Um, because I, I thought if I've lost the sight, a lot of the sight, I lost about three fifths of the sight in my eye, and I there was potential that I could lose it all. And if it happened to the right eye, it could happen to the left eye, and maybe I would lose all the sight. Oh and then, yeah, <laughs> so, and then I realized um, that if I couldn't see, I wouldn't be able to be useful. I wouldn't be able to help people. I wouldn't, and who, who was going to want me around? Because I'd, I'd built my life by around being useful and being helpful and um, that was you know my reason for being around and that comes from childhood for sure um so 
I then had this real, like, you know, proper breakdown about what am I going to do? And, uh, you know, uh, and I became really hideous to live with, really hideous. I was really angry. I was really upset. I was really, I just didn't know what to do. And there was one moment after a clinic appointment where nothing was really going, nothing was really happening. And I just said to my husband, um, I said, I can't go on like this. I am going to have to get some help. Or I'm going to have to leave because I'm going to screw you all up. I'm certainly makes me really emotional, even still saying this. You know, I'm going to screw the kids up if they live with me like this for much longer. I'm going to end up screwing them up, so I'm going to have to get some help. Um, so I found a therapist, and I um, I didn't particularly like her, but I felt that she was going to be the right therapist for me, and I. I stayed with her for three years. I had weekly therapy for three years and really looked at all the things that had happened in my childhood. And she was the first person who had said to me, you know, that is not okay. You know, what happened to you is not okay. And I just remember thinking, it wasn't, was it? But I kind of, you know, she said it wasn't okay. And it is trauma. And I, that was my, 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 stage you know my first step um to healing so food still wasn't really figuring in it at that stage because like I said I didn't realize I had an eating disorder I didn't realize that my relationship with food was anything other than me just being greedy and um not having enough self-control um but part of the therapy as I got we got further along it she realized that I had a really disconnected um relationship with my body I used to call my body it you know it's almost like me wasn't you know yeah I used to call it it and it's just like oh what am I going to do with it and so she had me doing some mirror work and looking at the mirror and I couldn't even look in look at myself in the mirror for two minutes without bursting into tears because all I could see was all the pain um so gradually gradually I really came to realize the extent to which my childhood had an effect on me that actually I am a great person (laughs) that, you know, that, that I, I am enough just as I am. I don't have to be helping people. I don't have to be useful. I have a right to be here on this earth in my, in my home, in my family, in Bristol where I live just by being me and just understanding that was phenomenal um and as part of my recovery I was reading books devouring books and I happened to come across a book by Bryony Gordon actually and in there she talked about binge eating disorder and I read it and that was another light bulb moment I read it and thought oh gosh that that is me. She was describing exactly my relationship with food, why I ate, all the feelings that came up around it. And um, I then did some more research and realized that actually binge eating disorder is what I had experienced and was experiencing still to some extent, but it's definitely what I had experienced over the previous, you know, most of your life, 40 years at that stage. Yeah. Um, Although, you know, binge eating disorder is not something I've heard of before. So I think it's perhaps a late comer to the 
to be recognised as a, yeah. a an I think it was speaker. only actually officially recognised in 2012, something like that. Okay, so that's why I'd never heard of it. But yeah. for me, I found that in my recovery, understanding things, understanding why things are what they are or what they might be has really helped me. I know it does, it's not the same for everybody, but it's really helped me understand what it is and how I can then work with it to, to to recover that's how it's worked for me but actually what as quickly as I found that what I had experienced all those years was binge eating disorder I also was starting to feel a lot better so I found as a as a a really amazing byproduct of all the work that I was doing to 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 see me the real me who I really am and that that is actually a really great person what happened was my relationship with food completely changed. Wow. And I remember sitting in a... It's such a good learning for, for the listeners. Yeah. Such a good learning. It's actually turning inwards and addressing everything that's going on inside in your mind. Yeah. Your mind's connected to your body and it's so important. Yeah. And, yeah, and... I remember once at the same time as doing therapy, I also went into group therapy and I did a counselling foundation course, which is pretty hardcore. So, you know, I didn't sort of do it lightly, but I remember one day doing the check-in on the counselling foundation course and I, you know, you're encouraged to say exactly how you feel. So I said, um, usually I feel like there's a line across my body and it feels like the top and the bottom half are disconnected. That's how I felt a lot of the time. And this particular day, I said, actually, I'm feeling like the two are joined at the sides now. And I know that sounds really strange, but, you know, I I hope you'll get it. And hopefully some of your listeners will actually understand what I'm talking about. Because I didn't realise at that stage I was starting to heal. I was starting to kind of become whole again. And that hole, without a W, inside me was starting to fill with the love and the care and the compassion for myself that I hadn't had and I'd been missing all those years. So as quickly as I understood I had binge eating, I had binge eating disorder, I realised I was recovering from it as well. Yeah, yeah. That's such a good um, way to express how you feel. So you could feel it at the sides beginning to connect again. Yeah. And now I do not have, I used to describe um, this sort of ball of fire, like, you know, in the, in the middle of me. And um, that's where a lot of the anger was coming from. That was the hole, the swirling hole that needed feeding all the time. And that has now gone. I don't have that anymore. I, yeah, I just don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I can still eat too much sometimes. Um, you know, because we, 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 we all can, can't we? But yeah. it's not, I am not eating from that same place anymore. I am not eating to fill something that I am missing inside. Um, and it's the such freedom, uh, such freedom to be me and to be able to eat and not have to hide it. And to, to know, uh, you know, I'm still bigger than, well, I was going to say I want to. I mean, I don't even, you know, I'm, I'm just me now. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, and I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm the happiest I've ever been. 
That's amazing. Philip, that's yeah. fabulous. Yeah, sorry, I've, rambled, I've, just, I've just rambled on, haven't I? Sorry. So, yeah. <laughs> and so then, um, so that led to your book, you writing your book. Yeah, so when I finished therapy, I knew I wanted to write a book. I've wanted to write a book for a long time, but that is, an, you know, another thing that I sort of said, oh, you're not good enough. Who's going to want to read your book? And um, But when I left therapy, I thought, you know... syndrome. Yeah, exactly. But when I finished therapy, I really wanted to write it all down. I think it was, a, it was as much a self-honouring thing, really, to, to acknowledge everything that had happened and to sort of draw a line under it. I mean, it doesn't go away. You know, you're never done. Um, but to it, it was a, very much a self-honoring thing. Um, and what I thought I was going to write was a a book, sort of self-help book about the things that I had learned. Because up until my breakdown in 2017, I was not in the personal development world at all. I didn't even understand that there was anything going on for me that needed healing. I mean, I was so out of all of that, that I just didn't understand it. So I thought that if I was like that, the, there might be other people like that. So actually it might help other people recognize some of their patterns and things. Um, but when I started, I was really struggling to write it. I just didn't know like how to, what, how to, how to write it really. And what would make sense. So I hired a book coach and I worked with her for a year and she really helped me um, see that there was that there was value in just actually writing the whole story. Right. Because in order to explain why things had helped me, I had to under, had to explain why I needed the help from them. And I ended up telling the story anyway. So why don't we just tell the whole story? So that is what I did. So, yeah, I, I wrote this book called I See Me and it's called I See Me because for many reasons, partly for the eye thing, because it all started oh, yeah, using yeah, yeah. vision, but also that really the answer, it was like, oh, I see. Yeah. It's me. You know, it, it, it was all, all manner of reasons that I see me made sense. And um, it was incredibly cathartic writing it down. Um, but actually other people who have read it have got, you know, they tell me that they've, that you know their story might be very different to mine but they've really seen themselves in parts of my story and it is helping them to understand themselves process some of their yeah. things yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. so i'm so i'm so glad i did it um amazing yeah and then you're a life coach i am a life coach so yeah I, i'm you know i i, I I left my 27 year legal career um, post my breakdown and um, I'm not advocating now that that is the only way that you can get over stuff. But I was definitely having a trauma response at the time and decided that I needed to leave. Um, and then we went into lockdown just as I was starting to feel better. We went into lockdown and I took that opportunity to do something that I'd always wanted to do, which is coach. I mean, I naturally fell into coaching at work anyway right. um so I qualified as a coach and I now yeah I now work with uh, I now work mainly with women not only women but mainly with women um and um I help high achieving women usually who have you know who who've spent a lot of their life really trying to get the things that they think will make them happy 
But when they get there, they find that they're not making them happy. So we we unpick a lot of those things. Um, yeah, unraveling that, and then yeah, yeah, and it's it, it it's amazing watching transformations happen um, and being part of their journey. I um I love it. Yeah, and then you set up a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So um, beginning of 2020, I set up a podcast uh, called Meeting of Minds. Um, and my first series, I was talking to people in their 20s because I'd come across quite a few people at work in their 20s when I was still working um, who were having a really tough time because I think being in your 20s is really tough because there's all this pressure to get it right and know what you're doing when in fact actually you're only just out in the in the world finding your way and it's more a time for trying things out yeah yeah. I think so I wanted to talk to people in their 20s about their experience so that I could normalize things a bit more because there's no right or wrong way to do your 20s just do what feels right for you yeah um and that was great but I realized that actually I wanted to talk so then I've talked a lot about my experience of therapy my healing journey things that I've learned along the way and um yeah. And then I've talked to other people about being children of alcoholics, highly sensitive people, all those things. So, um, yeah, there's lots of good stuff, good conversations in there. Amazing. Hmm. So for the, how can people find you? Uh, so the best place is my website, which is safeandsupported.co.uk. Um, there you can sign up for my email list. I am on social media. Um, where I'm safe and supported coaching, but I'm really having a break from social media at the moment. I'm finding that it's not actually really good for my mental health at the moment. So I'm taking a bit of a break from there. My website. But we can all learn from that. Yeah. I'm Absolutely. really taking, yeah. Great well, I wasn't on social media anywhere until two years ago when I started my business. And what I believed social media would be for me is really proving to be true. It's it's just not good for me. So I'm really taking a break, but my website is there. will always be there. I do a, a newsletter. That's the way to hear more for, uh, from me and, uh, my podcast, obviously meeting of minds. It's on all the normal platforms. Um, so yeah, that's the, that's where to find so me. Good. And we'll put all the links below anyway. So Thank people, you. And the link yeah. to your book and yeah. So people can find that. Yeah. Marvelous. So Philippa, thank you. So this has been valuable and real practical information for people to be able to take away and to learn from and to get your book yeah thank you thanks Kate I've really enjoyed talking to you yeah no thank you so much so that's all for today's episode of Bulimia Sucks so thank you for listening and for Philippa for sharing her heartfelt journey and before we go make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes so you never miss an episode and let us know what you think and show some love your favorite podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. So thank you for listening and I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Bulimia sucks but you don't. Kate has just released a new best-selling book called Anxiety Hacks with proven techniques, tools and tips to calmness. Check it out now on Amazon.